Hello, I am Rizal Schusterman, and you are listening to another episode of A Positive Podcast, a podcast where we discuss ideas and concepts on our emotional well-being and how we can educate ourselves to be the best version of ourselves. Today's podcast is sponsored in honor of a complete refuah shalema, a complete healing for Chayalea Yehudas Basnecha Fradel. Please keep her in your tefillos and your prayers. If you'd like to sponsor an episode, please reach out to me through my website, apositivecoach.com, where you can also find this information in my episode's description, or through Instagram at apositivecoach. In addition, if you'd like more information on how to set up a free consultation for positive coaching, you can reach me through my website, apositivecoach.com. In today's episode, I have the privilege to interview three incredible women, three women from very different lives with very different personalities who all answer the question, what does happiness mean to them? We've all heard the expression, what doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But is this really true? Does Torah and Chassidus agree? These three Chabad female leaders share their experiences of how they've turned their life's challenges into growth. And being that we are in the month of Adar, and this year we get a double dose, and we know that Adar is a time of joy. And often, one of the greatest challenges to joy is our life's challenges. So listen and hear and be inspired how these three great women work to overcome their obstacles and find joy, notwithstanding all that they're going through. There is much we can learn from them. I begin by interviewing my dear aunt, Fratel Bucket, someone who I personally look up to and has taught me a lot about how to tap into happiness, purpose, and meaning. I then have the privilege to speak with a veteran shlucha, Mrs. Vivi Darren, someone who personifies the idea of taking life struggles and turning them into opportunities for growth. And I finish off by interviewing Hadassah Chen, a young mom who's not only dealt with challenges, but has taken them and turned them into opportunities to grow and change herself for the better. I'm so grateful they all agreed to come on and share in such an authentic, real way so that we could all learn and grow from their experiences. I hope that each of you listening will be able to find inspiration and ways forward for your own personal struggles. I know that I did. So sit back, relax, and be ready to grow. My Aunt Fratel Bucket is someone who was a part of my life growing up. I spent a few summers at her home, interacting with her beautiful family and enjoying time together. I've always enjoyed speaking with her and each interaction with her has always left me feeling inspired and motivated. She also happens to be an incredible life coach. And in addition to one-on-one coaching, she offers an incredible interactive workshop for empowerment for women. She shares tools and practical guidelines, how to be empowered and how to tap into life's potentials. Mrs. Fratelbucket shares with us her understanding of happiness, and it is quite insightful. So sit back and be ready to take in our, her insight and her wisdom. I'm Fratelbucket. I am uh, I just turned 70, Baruch Hashem. It's a very big gift and celebration. Uh, I live in Los Angeles. We raised our family here. Uh, my kids are now all over the United States and Canada, Baruch Hashem. We live home. We have the special need child who lives with us still, Baruch Hashem. I was a principal for many years in Beis Chayamushka. Now I became a life coach, helping myself and helping people who want to be helped. Happiness, joy, simcha, these are all things that we're all striving to achieve. We all want in our life and we're all pursuing it. 
So let me begin by asking you, how would you describe happiness? What does living a happy life look like? What does happiness mean to Frado Bucket? So it really, what you just said is it really means different things to different people. And even it means different things to me, and depending on the stage or the day or the hour or the minute, it's not always the same, but in a very, very general and basic, basic way, I would say that being happy is its state of mind, you know, what, what it is, an attitude, what a positive way of thinking that causes you to be positive, focused, energized, feeling good about who you are and feeling good about what you are doing. But it's more like an inner kind of a feeling, not depending so much, not depending as much as possible, not depending on externals and external events, people, things. It's really a um, state of mind that we are, we are trying to achieve every moment, every day, and sometimes it's easier and sometimes it's harder. It looks different. Everybody has different uh, entry points. Uh, I think some people are naturally more happy. They just like more, it's easier for them to be happy. Some people need to work harder on it. But I think it's, we, should take, we should take out the heart from it and just say we need to allow happiness to happen. You know, we need to, 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 free, to free things in our mind so happiness can come in. We can be happy when we are worried. We can be happy when we are anxious. We can be happy when we are jealous. We can be happy when we think negative thoughts, right? So that is the work, is to clear the mind, to clear all the negativity, then happiness and joy and appreciation and gratitude can come in. Yes, it's so interesting because I learned a mimer, um, one of the short mimer of the Alter Rebbe with my father recently on Simcha. And in the beginning, he talks about this idea that it's a, it's a natural thing for every living thing to have Simcha. It's flowing naturally. And to me, that was such an interesting point because I always thought that, oh, I don't know that Simcha is something we have naturally. But the Alter Rebbe talks about it, it's something that's there. We just have to remove the obstacle so that it could flow and take away the things that are blocking it. And then our simcha can flow naturally. And I think that's similar to what you were mentioning. But you know, it's very simple. Look at the child, look at the baby, look at a young child. They're happy. They're really most of the time happy. And it's easy for them. They give them something, they're happy, right? And as we grow, we, 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 we remove ourselves and distance ourselves from that natural source of happiness that we really have in us. And, and that, this is when the work has to start to really choose, to choose. It's a choice to choose to be positive, to choose to be happy. It's a choice. It's not just like it's gonna happen just by itself. Sometimes beautiful things happen to us externally, you know, the simcha, there's good nachas, uh, you know, there are many reasons to be happy, right? And we're so happy, but most of the day, day in, day out, it's like a choice. Where I wanna go, how I wanna feel. And, and I think that people don't realize that really they are in control. They think my husband should make me happy. My children should make me happy. My neighbor should make me happy. If I get a house, I'll be happy. If my child gets married, I'll, get, I'll be happy. But it doesn't work like this. The child gets married and you're still not happy. You got a house and you're still not happy, right? It's like, a, it's like a journey. You know, you come to one station, then you continue the next station, the next station. But in between, you got to be happy, right? Don't just wait to be happy some, at some point. 
And it's a choice. People have a choice, and people need to understand that they are then they can empower themselves and and choose to be happy. And and it, it and it's it, you need to get the tools and to to do it. But everybody's different. But it's like you can work on it and you can do it, and and it, it's achievable. Would you describe yourself as a natural happy person, or is it more of a work for you? No, I'm not a naturally happy person. People ask, hey, can you describe Mrs. Bouquet? And they won't say, oh, she's such a happy person. <laughs> no, I don't think so. But, uh, and it took me time to realize that my happiness is, is, is in my hands. And, um, and I need to, and I want, I want to, I want to be happy. And sometimes I want it more than other times. But um, it's a choice. It's not natural for me to say I'm a happy person. No. Right. And that's why I love that I chose you to be the one that I'm speaking with because I feel like so many people want to hear from someone that may not be naturally a happy person. And interestingly enough, as your niece, um, I would describe that my interactions with you are always very meaningful and very special. And as such, they give me happiness. And I enjoy being with you. So even though you may not describe it as a, you know, a happy person, again, that's why this description of what is happy, what does happy look like, really looks different for many people. True and it's not true. Everybody can be happy. Like the Rebbe said, right? everybody has the ability, the potential, the ability to be happy. So on one level, we can all be happy. Happiness is, we can describe it as a state of appreciation, gratitude, connection with Hashem, connecting with people, being the best you can be. That's what a happy state is. And everybody can achieve it. In the details and how we achieve it, it's we are different. And how much we want to achieve it, and that we are different. But basically, like you said before, we, are, we have the ability to be happy. And I tell people I work with, it takes energy. Every thought, every feeling, every emotion takes energy, right? So I rather invest my energy in being happy than being depressed. Depression and anger and sadness also take energy and thought, right? I rather invest my energy in something that uplifts me, uplifts the people around me, and 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 do and be happy rather than be depressed, sad, worried, and anxious. I think that it does take energy, though it becomes easy because the brain is wired to repeat behaviors that feel natural. So if you naturally go to a place of anger, usually you think that's the way that your brain wants to go. But the truth is, is that if we keep on uh, exercising that muscle, trying to create a new pathway, meaning, okay, instead of going this way of anger, I'm going to go another direction. We're exercising a new muscle. And that way we start to retrain, rewire our brain to start going different directions. But like you said, it does take energy to be angry, but I wonder, does it really take energy for somebody who's been practicing that for many years? Is it just natural for them? They just go right into being angry. It almost feels comfortable. And it, it, it almost feels like that's the way it should be for them. It's very, it's, it's very true what you're saying. And Hasidus is saying the same thing, you know? A person wants to feel like he's a giver or he's a kind person. He needs to repeat doing kind things and then he's becoming a, a kind person, right? 
and there's a whole memoir about the, about this also about a person who's not really smart or not really knowledgeable, but he could continue even if he's going to learn the same thing, he's going to see himself as knowledgeable. The more we do the same thing, the more the easier it becomes. It's very 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 true, right? But uh, and I feel that the more tools you have, the easier the faster you get into that state. We all have nisyoyness. We all have challenges throughout the day. Throughout the, throughout the week, throughout the year, yeah? We have times that are a little easier, sometimes a little harder, right? So it's sometimes not so easy to access that place, to get there, right? But the more you practice, the faster you can get there. That's what I, what I feel, right? I will, something will happen, I'll feel negative thought, I'll feel like a victim, I'll feel like um, um, sad or heavy or anxious, right? But as soon as I catch myself, I can say to myself, well, what's going on? I always ask the question, what is really going on, right? And when a person is asking the question and not just being, allowing himself to be the way he is, like, this is how I feel now, this is what I want to feel now, this is why I'm now, no. But as you ask the question, you can fester. If you exercise, like you said, like a muscle, if you exercise that and you use the tools that you have, you can get to that state of happiness and not necessarily happiness, but but even not being anxious or not being worried or not being jealous or not being negative, you can get to it much faster. Yeah. But it's, it's not like we are waking up in the morning and happy and we can, we don't have, and automatically we'll stay happy all day. And I, some people, by some people it's like this, I don't find it for me exactly like this. Like this, I need to pay attention, I need to be aware, it's an awareness. But what's important for people to know that it's, 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 it could be a struggle, for some it's more of a struggle than others, but every person, no matter what is your entry level, right, can do something to improve and to get closer to that state of happiness, every person. And yeah. it's not yeah. easy for everybody, but because ah, bibi simcha, bibi simcha, bibi simcha. Some people said, yeah, where am I and where is simcha, right? So every person needs to know that they are unique but, and their situation is different, but no matter what the situation is, we can do something, the smallest baby step, the smallest action, the smallest thing to get to a place of a little bit happier, a little bit happier, right? The practice and makes Practice but makes better. It makes better, but also it, we need to give people hope that they can feel, they can feel joy, they can be happy, they can, they, and maybe they need to work a little harder, but and maybe they need to go to a coach or to a mishpia or to a friend, but we have it in us. We just need to have the ability, the, the confidence that we can access it and, and, and touch and touch it and, and use it. But every person needs to know, that is really my message to everybody. Every person can feel a little better and depends on what the situation is, right? But even right. if you feel a little better in this moment and the moment before you already, uh, 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 there's a reason to celebrate. You did something. So I'm learning that a person can go through difficult situations and experience at the same time, moments of joy, moments of happiness. And um, I think this is something that people are not necessarily aware of and don't realize 
that you could have a challenge and it could be a difficult challenge and you can still tap into happiness. So looking back at your life, Rattle, and the things that you deal with, the challenges that you may have dealing with your, you know, with your special children, can you share with me or my listeners, what was the way that you were able to tap into happiness at moments that you felt really unhappy? Like I said before, it comes to a point when, you know, when something happens, a loss, a diagnosis, um, uh, um, uh, uh, sickness, a pain, terrible pain, terrible disappointment, right? Um, When things like this happen, so um, it takes time to climb out for air, right? It takes time. And, and, and it's always a process. It's a process that you need to go through. It's universal, the steps that you need to go, you know, of denial and, and anger and, and, and whatever, the whole process. And it's not enough time to talk about it, right? But it's a process that you need to go. And then comes to a point that you're like on a walk in the road. Okay, where am I going with that? I already went, so I gave it, I, I, I embraced the sadness and the disappointment and everything else, right? Whatever, then we went through the process. And then, then you, there always has to be a decision. A decision: Am I allowing the challenge to define me, to define, to, to define me, to define everything I do? And this is who I am. I am that loss. I am that pain. I am that mother for the special need child, right? Or I am. No, I'm a person, a capable person, a happy person, a functional person, a chassidah, whatever it is that defines me, with that, with a special need child. You see the difference? It's either I'm that, the special need mother, right? Or I'm a mother with a special need child. And once you make that decision, then you can go on in life and just live, live with the ups and the downs, but you live and you make better, more positive choices. And, you know, and the more you do it, like you say, the easier it becomes. And, and that, that now defines you. And, then, and it's so important for people to know that they are in control, you know? The way we, we project and the way we interact in the world is through the two, three levushim, the machshava, dibur, and maaseh, right? This is our interaction with ourselves and with the external world, right? And we have complete, complete control on our machshava, on our thoughts, thought process, and our, for sure, dibur, the cloud right? and our action. And every time I choose to have a positive thought instead of a negative thought, I'm empowered. I can do, I can choose, right? I can choose positive words. I can choose negative words. I can choose action, positive action, productive action, and I can and I can choose something that is going to damage or or, or, or do damage, right? So, but I am completely, completely in control, right? I don't have control of what happens to me. I didn't choose a special need child. I didn't choose other challenges I have in my life. I didn't choose it, right? But I can choose 
how to deal with it. I can choose how to react to it. I can choose what am I going to do with it. And I can choose, can this, is this defines me or this just is like, gives me actually more focus, more strength, more directions, right? So it's really our choice. So our, our reframing of it, it's how we look at it. It's the same thing I, I say to people who tell me I'm depressed and I say, are you depressed or are you somebody who struggles with feelings of depression? Like, don't put yourself as that person. Don't say, I'm anxious. I'm feeling anxious. It's, it's, it's a reframe, but it's the same idea. It's, I am this person who struggles with this thing. And it's like, I like the way you say that. It's what we put the focus on first. What comes first? What is our initial um, focus on? Yeah, but I, the words that we use even to describe how we feel are so, so important. Even just to add the word, I feel down, even you just, I feel down. Or I said, I feel down now. I mean, mm. see you have the word now, it's now. Doesn't mean that you have to feel like it's in the rest of your life, right? Right now, this is what I feel, right? Right now, I feel like I'm not the best mother. Right now, I feel I'm this. But it's right now. Next moment, it can be changed and you could change it. The words that we use are so, so important, just like the thoughts that we think are so important. I have a whole class on changing the story changing the story, right? It's not the things that happen to us. It's not the event that create the sadness and the, and the depression and the negativity. It's how, what the story we tell about the thing, right? So I have the power to change the story and I can tell a story. I don't change the reality. I just change the story around the reality. And when we change a story, it can change our life. It really changes our life. The same thing, so it was so careful. What am I thinking? Because for every event, we have a little window. There's a debate how many seconds. A little window of deciding what to think, how to react, right? And in that little window, I can decide I'm going to get angry. I'm going to get upset. I'm going to be jealous. I'm going to be whatever. And then you can decide, okay, I can say, no, no, let me think. Let me stop. Let me evaluate. Let, let's see how I can look at it differently. How can I judge it positively? We have so much power in our thoughts and so much power in our speech and so much power in our actions. And action is so important because I feel depressed, I feel this, I feel that. Do something, do the smallest thing. And everybody's different. For a person who's in bed, the person in bed cannot go out of bed, right? Go out of bed for five minutes, just go out of bed, just for five minutes, open the window and see sunshine. That's all, for that's for a person who's very depressed. Another person is like already get out of bed, just make your bed. Like the smallest little actions can change the way you feel for the day, for the moment, for the, for the week. The smaller and everybody on whatever the entry level is, for them, the, the action is different. So for me to go swimming is very, I, I love, I don't love it, but I force myself to go swimming because I know it's good for me, right? And I will do little things or big things and choose things that elevate me, that, that, that help me, right? 
and everybody can do actions is very, very important. I can't sit and wait till I feel happy. I need to do something. That's very powerful. It's also, I don't know if you've heard of this, as Tal Ben-Shachar talks about this idea of the five-minute rule or the seven-minute rule, where if you just, if you don't want, if you're avoiding doing something and a great way to see if you could do it, or even just to kind of trick your brain is to tell yourself that you're doing it for five minutes. Just, I'm just doing it for five minutes. And then you do it for five minutes. And usually your brain's going to go for more. So like in the days that I cannot get myself to the gym and I know how good it is for me to exercise, it's good for my mental health. It's good for my body. It's good for everything. I'll tell myself, I'm just doing 10 minutes or five minutes today. That's all I'm doing. And I always end up doing more. So it's a very powerful thing. So I, I like that emphasis that you're saying. It's like, just don't tell somebody who's, who's struggling to get out of bed, just get out of bed, say, get out of bed for five minutes. Just open, like you said, each little thing. And I love the way you added on the word now. It's just a small word, but it makes such a difference. And it's such a, it's so true. The, the choice of the words that we say are so powerful. But also, um, it's very important that to really to be, to come to a state of happiness, Right? There must be a level of gratitude and appreciation for every little thing that we have. Without that, we can't. We, I'm only going to be happy if something big happens. I'm going to only be happy if I have that much money. I'm going to only be happy if I have this kind of car. I'm going to go, doesn't, that, you're never going to be happy that way, right? I'm going to be, I'm happy if I see, I, I love roses. I go in the street and I see a beautiful rose and I smell it. I have such appreciation and I have such appreciation for the beauty, for the smell. And, and it's like, a, it's a little, not, not a big thing. It's like, people say, what, what, what does it make you happy? Yeah, it, it, it fills me up with joy. Little things, you know, really little, appreciating the very little, the little thing in our life and not take it for granted. You're already on a more positive and a happier and more joyous kind of a, of a journey. When, Absolutely. And the other very, very, very important thing is, is, is not to feel entitled, you know, not to feel entitled. Like, I, it's supposed to be like this. I was supposed to get married. I was supposed to have children. I was supposed to have all healthy children. I was supposed to have a beautiful house. Who promised? Who told you? Right? And I already have one special child, how can I have another one? I'm supposed to have, when we take that out of, our, of the narrative, right? No one, what are we supposed to? I tell people I work with, take out the suppose. Who promised you? Who told you? Who, who says? It's very nice if it is, Baruch Hashem, for some people, people, but, and what if it's not? And what if it's not, then you cannot be happy? And what if it's not, then you are not good enough? And what if it's not, you can't contribute? You are not a functional person? You understand what I'm saying, Kaisele? Yes, totally. That's a big thing in, in our lives, you know? Also, the other thing, the more important thing, appreciative and full of gratitude to Hashem. So what I'm hearing you say is that having gratitude is a very important tool. Um, letting go of what you think it should have been, all the should-haves and the feeling of entitlement, letting go of that, and, and um, changing your story around it, changing your narrative of what you think it should have been to what it, what it is. Yeah. I also feel that, um, especially as women, the, a woman is the center of the universe, of her universe. Every woman is the center of her universe, right? Every mother is the center of her family, right? 
Yeah. A woman is, is so, she's a center. The woman is uplifted and happy. Everybody around her is uplifted and happy. And if she's not, then it's really damaging to the family, right? No one can have, be happy if the woman in the family is not happy, right? So I think it's like a responsibility. That also was a very big motivator for me, for me when I was dealing with, with challenges when, and when I'm dealing with challenges is, first of all, I, I need it. I'm not, I'm not just for myself. Right? I need to be happy for my children. I need to create a happy home for my husband and my children. I did not want my children to grow up and look back and say, this home, mommy was depressed. Mommy was anxious. Mommy was sad all the time. Mommy was crying and, and the house was not running. And you know, I, that was such a big thing in my life. I did not mm -hmm. want it. I didn't want to have carry it on my shoulders. So I, made a decision to create a home with all the issues and with all the therapies and all the things that we needed to do, still created in a way that the children had a balanced, um, happy, joyous kind of a home as much as possible. Shabbosim were big Shabbosim, Purim was big Purim, Pesach was very, we always have a lot of family, you know? so. I'm hoping, I don't know, I, I'm hoping that my children, when they look back at their childhood, what stands out is the joy, the yontev, the shabbosim, the singing, the, the, we couldn't do very elaborated trips, but we tried, you know, and the- I could say, I, I could say as your niece who spent a few summers by you, that that was definitely the feeling I had. Always, it was such a joyful home. Um, from Yossi's, your husband singing Nigunim, to the feeling at the table, the way that you would bench together to make it clear so that Rifka, your, your special child, can join along and follow along um, to just that the energy in the home. It was such a joyful home. So that's very inspiring to me to hear that yeah, that was something that was a choice. Yeah, it's a choice. It's a choice and it's an awareness. And also I davened, I have asked Hashem to support and help me, you know, that I should be able to do it. And some days were better, some days were not so good. I mean, no one is like perfect, like, yeah. perfect and nothing is, is, and it's very, very far from perfect, but we, we, are not, we are not about being perfect, it's about the journey, because the goal is always gets further and further away from us, but what we are being really rewarded is about the journey itself. And, uh, and Hashem is watching, and Hashem is helping, and Hashem is supporting, and Hashem opening doors for you. If you choose to do the right thing, if you choose to, to go to be positive, if you choose, Hashem does help. Hashem, you open the doors. When we are anxious, when we are depressed, right? And when we are worried, even physically, we are constricted, right? We are constricted, right? And actually, I think it says it also, we are shutting the doors. We are shutting the opportunities for Hashem to help us and show us the light, right? So it's our responsibility and to open up, to, 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 to reach out, to, to, to think positive, to do positive, to talk positive, to think about other people is such a big thing of feeling joy when you 
take what we call take your take your eyes off yourself. Look at somebody else, right? See where you can be supportive and helpful and guiding other people. That gives you joy, you know. I mean, and and love God was looking for meaning in everything. So it, it's 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 so it's like it's, there's no like recipe or. Or, or one way, it's like such a huge topic and, and sometimes it, it's hard to reach, but, but we need to do our best. Everybody has to do for whatever little things they can do to do their part. And, and it's really, it's like, it's like really very rewarding when you are reaching to a state that you feel like balanced and you feel focused and you feel energized and you feel that you are contributing and you feel that Baruch Hashem and everything is really a big, big Baruch Hashem. Mrs. Vivi Darren is a veteran shlucha who exudes confidence and a deep understanding of life. When you speak with her, you feel seen and understood. She spends much time helping and supporting others, being a voice of reason and calm for anyone who reaches out. Although from a different generation, her understanding and her ability to connect with all ages truly is remarkable. I know that you will find and enjoy wisdom that she imparts. So let's get right into it. My name is Vivi Darren. I live in um, Stanford, Connecticut. My husband and I are blessed, thank God, to be Shluchim since 1974, so it's almost almost 48 years. One of the things that I have found over the years is that everybody's carrying something. I, I do try to share some of the things that have worked for us, but with the caveat that I'm not looking to make a manual for tragedies, uh, but I think that if, if you're talking about resources that can even help people in this kind of a situation, how much more so with the speed bumps of life. But the challenges have included, um, you know, serious illness in, in the family. Um, several of our children had a genetic condition that was, a, a, what should I say, predisposed to certain medical complications. And unfortunately, a few of them passed away. So that that's, got to be definitely the biggest challenge and you know other things other things in life that that people uh people have to encounter so I think some of the tools that I had to develop be, you know while I was raising um, a family with young children and had to deal with uh serious stuff are things that have maybe I think the seeds of what works for me were seeds that were planted long before, but things that I had to develop and thank God have been able to apply in other situations. So happiness, joy, simcha, whatever word you want to use, these are things we're all looking for, seeking, pursuing. I want to start off by asking you, how would you describe happiness? What does happiness mean to you? What does it look like to have a happy life? What does Vivi Darren happy look like? And what does, what does the word happiness mean to you? Um, what does it look like? You know, the superficial indicators are things that everybody recognizes when there's, you know, a spark in the eye, a ready smile, um, a light step, 
Um, those are kind of tangible and obvious signs. Um, but I think, I think if you go a little bit deeper, I think some people maybe are gifted with a predisposition to happiness. And, and it's like any gift that Hashem blesses a person with, that they come into to life with certain, um, you know, sets of abilities or um, talents, gifts, and, and a, a predisposition to happiness, I think, falls into that category. At the same time, that can be a little bit misleading because I think the really the biggest part of it is the choice. The choice of what kind of lens you use to look at the world and to look at your life and to look at the people around you. And the um, awareness of how much that choice is really in our own hands. It's not just something that falls on us. I mean, you know, there, there are the kinds of situations that you could say, well, of course, if that happens, of course, the person is going to be happy. Um, and that's not that's not always the case. You know, the, there's the classic of the 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 grandmother with her her young child. They're on the seashore, and uh, a wave comes, and you know, just the child is is washed away to sea, and the grandmother is hysterical, and she's begging and pleading with all her heart, "God, please give me back this baby." I am, you know, one can only imagine. And lo and behold, a wave comes in and the child is deposited at her feet, whole and healthy and everything is fine. And she looks up to heaven and she says, he had a hat. So, the, you know, the thing about a lens, you know, you can be in the most wonderful situation and still look with that jaded eye of, yeah, but, you know, he had a hat. Um, so that that's at, the, at a very, very basic level. But let's say we're going, you know, deeper than that. The lens of, of, of happiness, um, something that falls into the category of, you know, the Bane Chaim that you have children, there's a family, there's health, there's Parnassus, sustenance, that the, 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 the basic things in life that we daven for. And when those things are in place and you're reasonably reasonable, then there's a certain a feeling, a good feeling of thank you, Hashem, for all of these blessings. And um, I, I, I think, yeah, maybe, you know, um, I sometimes, I, I realize it myself and I'll say to friends who are marrying off their first child or, you know, greeting their first grandchild and so on, that sometimes, sometimes we have to remind ourselves, grab the simcha with both hands. You can get caught up with the, um, stuff that's in, in, you know, that's always part of something. There's always, you know, didn't work out in the caterer, the flowers, the this, the that. But, you know, it's not too hard to kind of like grab yourself and say, wait a second, this is a simple, I'm not going to lose sight of that. So that's like, you know, level, level, level one or level two of, yeah, be, be happy about, um, be happy about the good stuff. But I guess the challenge really comes in when, when uh, on the surface, the circumstances are not what anybody would describe as a recipe for happiness. And so where does happiness come in in, in a situation like that? And, th and that's where having a happy nature sometimes can be a little bit of a trick because 
the work that you need to do to choose the lens of happiness, everybody needs to do that work. If, and if you, have a happy, if you have a happy nature, by nature, that's just how you are, you might not realize that you need to work on choosing your lens, as opposed to if it doesn't come so easy to you and it's something that you really put a lot of effort into, you actually might have an easier time being happy in difficult circumstances. What, so what is the choice? What is the lens? Looking back, I realized how many things were put into my life to shape the kind of lens that I want to choose. I saw the kind of people that my parents admired, who they looked to as heroes. So that, you know, I, I took notice of that. I think that, you know, there, in, in my mind, Viktor Frankl's work is so, so, so important. And it really crystallizes a lot of things that are they're in our, in our holy books and in our teachings, but, you know, sometimes it takes somebody to put things into words to make you realize what you're actually holding. And the idea that um, you can endure any what if you have a why. The idea of, of um, what does it mean to have meaning? What does it mean to really have meaning in your life? And I think that that is bedrock to any lens of happiness. There's the deep, deep foundational. There's nothing random. There's nothing that just, it just, it was a, a quirk of circumstances. It was a freak accident of something. It's, um, you know, well, the percentage is nothing. That sense of, you know, I am being held. There's, and, and, and I think that the, um, one of the biggest gifts of being raised and being educated and trying to continue that, that education for myself of, um, of Chassidus, of Chabad Chassidus, is the, the very real sense that I am loved. I'm loved, that Hashem loves me. Um, my parents started a day school when I was very young and I later taught in that school and my mother would start every year. The, and then later when I was running school, I did the same thing. Um, the teachers meetings at the beginning of the year that, that a Judaic teacher needs to know that a, chi a child, because many of the students that we were teaching were not from observant homes, but I've come to realize that this is, it's, it's not even a question of that. It applies across the board. That a child that loves their mora will love Hashem. A child that loves their Judaic teacher. Um, you could say the same thing with parents, but who, how, however a child sees their connection to Hashem, uh, to, to God originally in their life, or uh, not even necessarily originally, but in a, in a meaningful way, and especially as a young child, but really going through formative years, our formative, that that relationship is very much colored by the relationship with Hashem is very much colored by the person with whom you most identify Hashem. That your God experience comes through that person to begin with. Obviously, it's independent later, 
but it's, it's shaped by that. And that sense of being loved by godly people, by people who you realize are close to Hashem, is, um, is huge. And oh, absolutely. I, I heard yesterday somebody said the antidote to negativity is not positivity, it's warmth, it's love. And I, I feel like that really resonates with what you just said. Because when a child feels that a teacher cares about them, loves them, and I think that encapsulates really what I felt growing up with the Rebbe. Like, I cannot tell you a sicha that I heard. I can't tell you a mimer that I remember. I spent many, many hours growing up till the age of 14 in 770. My parents lived close by. We would come often. But I can tell you that when I went by the Rebbe or whenever I was in the Rebbe's presence, I felt like I mattered. I felt like I was loved, cared for. Even though I, this person didn't really know me, I felt like he knew who I was. And that warmth, it's what kept me saying, I want to live a Yiddish life. It's what made me feel like I wanted that. So that's so exactly an example of what you just said for me personally. I think that along with that, that when, when circumstances are, are difficult and challenging, the Rebbe is such a, a, clear, a, a clear example of what, exactly what you're describing, of the love and the warmth and the, the positivity and the happiness of being Jewish, of being alive at a moment in time where what I do really makes a difference. Uh, God really does care if I light a candle or if I, if I make somebody smile. And all of these things really matter. Along with that, part of that picture was a very strong sense of the pain of Gullus, that the world the way it is now is not the way it's meant to be. Um, and the fact that it, that it is this way, that we, um, you know, not only is it not random, but we're not, we're not called upon to accept it. Well, you know, that's life and that's how things really are and all of that stuff. There's no room for cynicism in, in anything challenging in that way life as we know it now yeah but i'm saying about choosing your lens that i choose to live my present through the lens of the future in other words that we're from the beginning of creation from the beginning of time we've all been empowered we're empowered to make this world the way it's meant to be and to know that it's headed in a good direction it might not look that way and if you're, you know, watching the news or whatever, and there's, you know, this disaster, God forbid, and that, and who knows what, it could be very, it's a very easy to get very, very jaded. Um, but if you're, if you're looking at it, well, let's, let's look at the way things are supposed to be, not, you know, and, and then, so what can I do now that makes a difference? And I think that that sense that what I do makes a difference in my, in my own thoughts, in my own speech and my own action the things that I do so that's I think that 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 sense of, of and that it's real it's not just we're not talking ourselves into some kind of fairy tale just to live in a Pollyanna bubble of pink right but it, that that's very very a very real thing so let me ask you when you look back at your life and you look at the challenges that you went through with your children during those hard days, during those hard moments, even now when you go through challenges, like I know I'm sure we all have our challenges, smaller, bigger ones. Can you tell me what, what would you say was the 
way that you were able to tap into happiness? How were you able to tap into happiness? So for a minute, I want to just talk about unhappiness, kind of like as a, as a contrast, because I think, you know, it's, it's inevitable that, you know, not every day is going to be the 1000% perfect happiness day. Um, and for me, I think one, one important thing is when I'm having a really challenging moment that way, I try to seal it off in the sense that, yes, right now I'm hurting because of this or this. I refuse and I take, it takes a lot of effort some days. Don't let it be a platform for looking at the rest of your life. This moment is hard. This moment is really, really tough, if God forbid it is. But don't let that be the platform. Don't let that be the lens. And there, you know, no place for cynicism. Even in a moment that's not happy, cynicism is toxic. Doesn't come into the picture. So if it's a rough moment, try to seal it off and say, okay, now how am I going to ride it out? How am I going to ride it out? How am I going to, to go from, um, you know, to, to from here to, to the next moment. Um, if that kind of a feeling is persistent and, and you can't get out of it with the things in your own toolbox, sometimes then professional help is needed. It's not just, oh, come on, just you know, put on a smiley face. It's not how to just get through that moment. Sometimes it's not something that we can just pull ourselves up by yanking at our hair. Um, but let's say it's not in that category. So if it's, it's a rough moment, trying to seal it off. Um, I think sometimes having a small picture rather than a big picture can help. And what I mean by that is um, the, the big picture can, can be a very challenging one, but that doesn't mean that everything in that picture has to be um, black and awful. So that the things that you can notice, you can help somebody else notice little creature comforts that make a difference. The sun is shining. My coffee is exactly right. The milk is not sour. You know, that just the, the, the visual things around you, the, the, the creature comforts. And um, I believe it was Reparats Muchkin who said, that um, it's better to have the simcha of Elam Haza than the depression, the atzvus of Kedusha. Because if you're down and depressed or for very holy, good reasons, but that depression can be moved very easily, you're down and, and then, then you, that just, once you're down, then you know, who knows what can happen next? Hey, I, I need some comfort. I'm going to go for this. I'm going to go for that. Down is not a good thing. But the simcha, the, the happiness of even very material things, very physical things. So you move, you're, you know, you're enjoying your chocolate. Now move the, the simcha of the chocolate, move it to something else. That, that can be your bridge. That can be your bridge to a more meaningful kind of a happiness. But 
don't let go of those little happy moments also. And sometimes, you know, we feel disloyal to our challenge if we're allowing ourselves to be happy. It's okay. It's, it, it's fine. Yes, I could totally relate to that. There's a, there's a guilt, like you're going through a difficult yeah. time or a child is struggling or you you see some a family members in pain and you're like, oh, this moment right now, this is this is a peaceful moment because you're experiencing something peaceful at that moment. There's guilt attached to it. But I think it's important to realize that this is your way of dealing with it. You're tapping into those moments of, of happiness that are going to help you be able to get through those difficult times. Actually, Razel, I think it's I think it's more. I think it's, it's not just that, that, that you know, you know, I, I, I need my chocolate, and, you know, it's also not rearranging the deck chairs on the Titanic, but I think there's something else. And it's, it's something that I, I saw, you know, in real life um, that by creating or fostering or developing or tapping into an atmosphere of, um, it's not exactly happiness, but it's a close partner, optimism. You generate a, a, an atmosphere around the challenge that can actually make the challenge itself easier to deal with. The one thing you don't, you, I mean me, that, that I think that I try to be careful with, obviously you don't want to come across as being callous to somebody else's pain so you know that that sensitivity that sensitivity has to be there so being able to empathize and being able to be sensitive to what somebody else is going through and to see what it is that you can do that can help them feel better um at the same time not to feel like the only way I can demonstrate that is by by being down in the dumps together with them. So yeah, it can be it can be a fine line to navigate, a, a very delicate situation to navigate. But that, um, and you know, every every situation has its own specifics, and every person has their own. But um, even if the person that you're with is not able to respond to you in kind, it doesn't mean that your, that your happiness bubble or whatever is hurting them. They may, they may not just be putting it into words to say, you know, when you come into the room, it's like the sun, you know, the sun is shining. Um, but you have to watch it with that. There's no question. You have to watch it. What would you tell somebody who's currently struggling with a challenge in their life and feels like they're having a hard time tapping into this happiness? What would you, and they were coming to you and saying, Vivi, tell me, what, what, what do I do right now? What, how do I get into this moment? How do I tap into more simcha here? So I would, say, I, would say, I, I would say a couple of, a couple of things. One thing is um, investing in your relationship with Hashem. Um, there are circumstances where a person can feel angry, um, and and pained and really want to and sometimes the image that I have is like of a, of a, a, a toddler a little three-year-old girl her father is holding her and she's crying and tantruming and pounding on his chest with her little fists but he's her father and he's holding her and she knows that she's safe and she knows that she's 
cared for. So I don't think that it's a contradiction to investing in your relationship with Hashem to to cry to Him and bang on the table and you know pound with your little fists. Um, and obviously, you know there there needs to be more than that. But ultimately, that is a, that's indispensable. It's indispensable. Um, the other thing would be, um, you know, when, when we got married, the Rebbe gave us a bracha to, the Rebbe said, you'll make things, you will make things warm and bright for others, and the Ebershter will make things warm and bright for you. And the way my husband puts it often, he says that there are times when things didn't feel so warm and bright. Um, they felt cold and they felt dark. And uh, one way out of that is, but maybe I can do something to make things warm and bright for somebody else. So I might not feel a smile welling up from inside of me to make me happy, you know, that I, I, I don't feel my smile, but if I can put a smile on somebody else's face, that smile will reflect back to me and that can help. And it doesn't have to be something huge but just the ability to notice somebody else's unhappiness in my unhappiness can, can sometimes help in that way. It can be tiny, tiny things, but it's just, it's a step. And the third thing would be something little that makes you feel good right now. Music, um, everybody has their thing, but know, know what it is that you can, can tap into to remind yourself that the world is a good place the world is a garden. If we have to peel away the fruit, so we'll peel away the fruit. I mean, the peel away the, the shell from the fruit. In other words, expect happiness, expect good. We don't protect ourselves by thinking, well, you know, whatever, all the cynicism. It doesn't help. It doesn't, it doesn't make things better. Maybe in the short term, it does. But long term, so if you're if somebody is in a situation where something tiny can give them a sense of right. Life is good. Grab onto whatever it is. Mrs. Hadassah Chen has a joie de vivre like no other. She's a ball of energy and fun, and it's always a party talking to her. She has a great energy, and you can't help but be uplifted when around her. Hadassah shares with us how she deals with her struggles and challenges in a real authentic way. I'm sure you will find her message to be practical, inspiring, and uplifting. So let's get right into it. Challenges. <laughs> Where should we start? Well, to go briefly through my challenges until now, when I was a child, my big, biggest challenge was my weight. I was overweight <laughs> and I had a very skinny sister after me. And it was the talk of the family, my problem, my weight, and I was, you know, insecure, and I was uh, very, you know, uh, embarrassed. And uh, my name is Hadassa, and it rhymes in Italian with grassa. Grassa in Italian means fat. So I hated my name. <laughs> And um, I wanted to change my name. And my second name is Josephine, which was not really better. So <laughs> I was stuck also to my name. So uh, that was my first very big challenge. My second big challenge, which will connect to a lot of young women right now, is that I was 
uh, not married. Um, I, I got married later than my class. So basically when all my friends were starting to get married and having a family, I was still, you know, roaming around. Not only my two younger sisters got married before me. So in, the, in our religious environment and Chabaz, I was living in Kron Heights and everybody was dating, everybody was getting married and I was just stuck. So second challenge, huge challenge and all my two sisters getting married before me and you know, everything was getting a bit complicated. And I thought these were the big challenges of my life until thank God you know, I met my husband and uh, it was definitely worth the wait. Uh, so there you go to reassure all the single women out there who are looking for the better half. It will come. You got to pray. You got to have faith. And I guess my biggest challenge was when my daughter got sick. My third daughter, Navi, um, she was uh, they found that she had cancer when she was 16 months. And that was the real challenge. But this challenge changed my life. And everything that happened after was only for the good. I know it sounds weird, but um, her leaving this world, because eventually she passed away a year later. Um, she was sick for a year. She passed away when she was uh, two, two years and four months, exactly a year after she got sick. Um, that opened up a whole new life world vision for me and for my husband and for my family and uh, the biggest challenge right now for me you'll be shocked is dealing with the fact that I'm so happy because um, I uh, firstly I <laughs> tried to um, uh, how do you say approach that first big challenge I had which was my overweight and I'm really very being very honest right now because I don't really talk about it and uh, I lost like 50 kilos. So I changed also look, which is very important for somebody who's very bothered about this. Not everybody gets so bothered. I was very bothered. And this changed my life. And uh, I found myself and my direction through this tragedy. Uh, this tragedy gave me the strength and the light to follow and find my path, basically. <laughs> It's so powerful. <laughs> and I so could relate to that idea. And it's something that you can't imagine when you're going through a struggle that you'll ever be able to turn and say, it's we're actually thanking Hashem that eventually when Mashiach comes, we're going to come to a point where we're going to say, thank you, Hashem, for these challenges, because look how much we've grown through them. It's a very high level. It is extremely yeah. high level. And most people who experience challenges don't have the merit to actually experience that feeling. But when you're talking, that is what popped into my head. That is exactly what I felt, I thought of. I literally have goosebumps thinking about it. But the way you're describing <laughs> it, this, this, um, this feeling that you share, that you're like, great, not grateful, God forbid, for the pain, but you're for the, what you, the growth that you had through it. It's incredible. Right, exactly. Actually, I saw a phrase um, that my friend sent me. Um, it says that all those who shed tears will eventually cr uh, cry with laughter. And I'm always scared because I did for sure share, um, shed my, um, how do you say shed? Um, shed, shed uh, tears. Shed tears. But now I am also happy. So I'm I thinking to myself, um, is this finished? Is my share of the, the 
or am I supposed to, you know, cry more? It's a some kind of of, of like internal psychology that you keep on doing within yourself. I guess people that have overcome a very big uh, situation, I don't like to call it tragedy because for me, tragedy, it's something that's, um, you know, when you read something on, on the news, like, you know, uh, Surfside or, you know, these kind of huge things. Um, when I, I cannot relate my daughter's face to tragedy, I don't want these two things coming together. Wow, that is so powerful. So what I'm hearing you say is, tell me if I'm understanding, is that now because of the growth that you've done, the work that you've done, the internal stuff that you've gone through, you're at this point happy. And that's now you're finding yourself to almost like Yaakovinu says, like Hashem, like it's so good. Like, I, what is this going to last? There's like, a, <laughs> like, oh, you know, and I think this is something that we struggle as humans and as Jews specifically, that when we have blessings, we tend to think, okay, wait, what's going to happen next? And that's an avaid in itself is to, to, again, find joy in those moments. Totally. Exactly. You nailed it. There's a lot of people, you know, since Navi passed away, um, I started writing. A lot of people go to psychologists, uh, take something. I never took anything. Um, I never went to psychologists. The only thing I started to do is I started writing. And um, this writing eventually became also um, my job because I thought I, I write for the Jerusalem Post now. And um, <clears throat> this, this, this writing was really an incredible thing for me. I was like, literally, you know, I think I saved a lot of money to my husband not going to psychologists because I would just write for nights and days, letting, being very blunt and saying everything I felt. And I saw, I started seeing a lot of response from people who were finding themselves through my uh, writings. And I started getting very strong responses. And that started a whole relationship with people I didn't even know who were telling me about what they were going through and how I was helping them. And they didn't even know how they were helping me. It works both ways, you know, it's not just, uh... and uh, through that, I started really finding my direction. I always believe that Navi left by leaving a light for me. And this light is the light that I have to follow. And I have to be very focused, not to lose the focus of this light or, or use it in the wrong way. I always do everything in respect of her name and of what I believe she expects from me as if she's watching me from above. You know, she was a very, even though she was very young, she was very courageous and she was very strong. Like I see my kids, I take them to a dentist and they're holding my hand, you know, they're doing a small little thing and they're holding my hand, they're having a nervous breakdown, they're crying. I'm thinking to myself, this little girl went every morning, she had blood taken out, she had exams, she had the chemotherapy, she had everything that could be done to a child. And she always tried to be strong. She never tried, she always tried not to show me that she's going to cry. And every time I asked her something, she answered me, which, which means everything is okay. And it, this is something also that I try to keep as my guiding light, you know, and um, this is what I believe has given me the strength to eventually help other families who are, overgo are going through something very hard although it's very, very hard for me to do, not because I'm scared to face them, but because this brings me to face myself always and thinking, how can I be so strong? How, what's wrong with me? Why can I give them so much bitachon, so much, uh, how do you say, a sense of uh, strength, exactly. 
when you know I was lost myself like what happened to me who am I who do who do I think I am and I keep on thinking like you said okay when is this going to break when when is the next tragedy happening you know I'm always feeling that something is behind the corner and it's going to surprise me so as much as I'm living enjoying every single day everything I have and trying to give back as much as I can the fear is within me and that that is my biggest challenge so let me ask you how would you describe happiness what is what is happiness what does living a happy life look like what does happiness mean to you i love this question because the every day i realize how every day i know more what happiness is and what i thought was happiness was totally not what real happiness is especially now in the social media world where you just you know you you got you get on your phone and you're checking instagram accounts and you see all these you know influencers showing their perfect life and their perfect husband and their perfect children and the perfect clothes whatever it is and you think they're happy and it's such a fake world and um i'm not a super social media person but i work in the media i have my own talk show and i and i interview people and my talk show is called the real a uh, real talk because i want to get to the core of the people of the person whoever i'm interviewing and get you know i sometimes uh, ask questions that i could be a bit you know khutzbedik as we say but uh, i try <laughs> and i really realized now in this phase of my life that when you manage to build a family with a husband that you respect and you love um and children that you can be proud of whatever it is you know that you have to follow them and at the same time you manage to have a career and you do something that you like and your work and your days are busy by doing what you like using your talents and especially giving that will makes you happy nothing else can make you happy without this you can have the biggest house the most amazing clothes have a wonderful life i've seen it on so many people personally who have a lot and feel empty and this is not happiness happiness is when you get to choose what you want to do you have a talent to use and to put it to the service of other people and you realize that you are also helping others uh, whatever it is through you know some people give money some people give their time some people whatever it is but if you spend your life not doing one of these things i don't think you really can find true happiness it has nothing to do with money or beauty or nothing of that kind you know when i was young uh, there was this movie that we watched it was called sissy uh, i don't know if you know it it was called sissy princess of austria it was the movie that came out with Romy Schneider which was a big actress and we all fell in love with these huge dresses and she marries this prince and i always thought to myself because i was a very dreamy happy child for sure uh talking about happy i was always happy uh, or funny happy entertaining i always loved to enjoy myself and i thought for sure i'm going to marry a prince i'm going to live in a castle like i had no doubts and then when this you know whole dating system and i was a bit older i thought to myself how can i just you know go out with a guy uh you know have a coke in a lobby of a hotel and think that in six for seven eight times i will fall in love and where is the prince and where is the, you know like everything was broken all my myths were broken and now that i look back you know you can be happy in a you know 60 square meter apartment and you know if you have goals if you have things that you want to get to if you have a vision you are happy that is so true happiness isn't pleasure and we make the mistake and equate the two many times if you look back at the challenges that you've experienced 
what was the best way that you were able during those moments to tap into happiness? Like during those difficult moments of pain and struggle, how did you tap into it at that time? Okay, this is a great question. Um, when Navi was sick, um, we basically moved into the Hadassah hospital in Jerusalem. We were there for basically a year. My mother came from Italy she moved in with us and she told us, you have to come home at night and I had other two children at home. You have to come home and sleep at night with your kids. I'll be there for the night. Um, so those moments when my mother came and we would just run out of the ward and you know, sneak out and have our own little espresso downstairs and just talk about as if nothing was wrong, you know, like we were back in Milan together going shopping. She tried to transport me in a different time. These were my moment of happiness at that time. I would look forward the whole day for these little escapes. When Navi got sick, my husband told me um, right away, he said, I never want her to see you upset or crying or without make whatever, like, you know, looking bad. You have to come every day looking good with makeup as if it's a normal day. And this is really what we did all the time. We were always happy around her. I really built very high walls around us. I didn't let anybody come to us. Maybe this was my mistake, but this is the way I reacted. I didn't want my friends. I didn't want their pity, even though they just wanted to help me or give me love. But um, I didn't want friends. I didn't want any, I mean, just my family, my parents, my sisters. And I remember, for example, every time we had a doctor's meeting, um, my doctor was a woman. She was very, very sweet. But every time we would go in, the meeting would end up with me coming out with two huge balloons in, in, on my eyes. And my parents were sitting outside waiting for me. And this is something that I will never forget my whole life. You know, they flew all the time from Italy and they were sitting there all dressed nicely. And I would look at them and my heart would break twice because I thought to myself, look what I did to them. Like I brought them all the way from Italy. They're sitting here for hours waiting for me. And my mother is sitting there crying and she's crying because she's worried for me. So she's worried both. You know, my father also had this face. And I remember once I was sitting with the doctor and as the doctor had to run out a second and my mother caught the doctor and she said, can I just ask you a question? Doctor says, I'm sorry, I have to run. And my mother said, I just want to ask you one thing. Is my daughter okay? My mother worried constantly for me and my heart was breaking double for me and for my mother and, and for my daughter. So it was like, you know, a whole, very, so we had to find those moments where we had to escape this. And this, I think were lifesaver moments. The espresso downstairs, it's something that our family is very good at. It's my grandmother taught us just literally, you know, like appreciating every little thing, going downstairs, going to the shop and buy a little new thing. These are things that always help me. And I'm very easy to snatch, snap out of a, of a bad moment. You know, we used to have also Shabbosim in the hospital. And I remember one Shabbos, I'll never forget, I was sitting there, you know, the hospital atmosphere, Shabbos is not exactly the most amazing place to be. And I was sitting there and I felt, I'm very, being very blunt, I'm, I, I was overweight because I threw myself on food and that was the only thing I could do. So I was unhappy with the way I looked. Um, my relationship with my husband was very, very hard because we were both put under very much stress and, you know, it's very hard, the, the tense situation. My daughter, I look at my daughter who is bold and has gray skin, uh, you know, she looks gray 
And my two girls are crying because they want me. And I said to myself, to Hashem, I remember, what do you want more? Like, you've taken everything from me. I'm not working. We don't have an earning. Uh, we're not earning anything because we're both not working. I mean, thank God I had my parents who were helping me, but it was a very stressful situation in all sides. And I said, what, do you, what else do you want to take away from me? Like, come on, give me a break here. And when I look back now, I realized how low and how desperate I was in that moment and how everything, you know, everything slowly picked up. I think the only thing was left for me was to hope. Faith was my only thing. I said, please, I really had faith that something, I, I had faith that Navi would, you know, stay with us forever, but um, I had faith. I'm a positive person. I don't see the half, half uh, the cup half full. I see overflowing, which is a problem also. <laughs> Could be a bit naive. But I think that my naiveness at that time was my life saving, definitely. Yeah. So it's incredible because some people are wired differently and you you are a more positive person. But what you said is so fascinating is that grabbing those moments. I think are so important. You could be going through a difficult time, but those little moments and living oh, yeah. those little moments, little moments of joy, you can have joy even amidst chaos and 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 difficulty and challenges. And I think that it's something that we don't realize. We are like, what? It's not possible, but yet it is. And I think also there's an element of guilt that we almost feel like we can't really be joyful right now because we're dealing with the struggle. Exactly. So there's guilt involved with that too, which holds us back as well. That's a very um, interesting point. What would you tell someone who is currently struggling with a difficult challenge in their life and feels like they're just not able, they may not be as positive as a person as you, but they just are having a hard time tapping into their happiness. What would you, what would you tell them? What would you advise them? Two things, pray and think, think of others. Don't focus so much on yourself. If you're not happy with what with yourself, unless it's something really, you know, if they're sick or this is already a different situation. But if somebody's just not happy because, you know, I can't find myself and I'm not happy with my work. And I, mean, I always say to yourself, you have your health. You a lot of people come, you know, and we discuss this. <clears throat> you have your health. You have your abilities. If you're not happy with what you, with yourself with what you're doing, it means that you're focused too much on yourself. Start thinking of others. This will make you refocus everything. You will find yourself. And the second thing that I really discovered late is I think um, learning, learning, davening is an incredible, insane tool. Like for me now, I say to him every day and just the luxury of putting yourself on the side and saying those holy words are incredible. They open my mind. So many ideas come to me as I'm davening. I'm like, okay, <laughs> I'm not focused enough, but it's true. It's just an opening of, it's, it's, it's a mind opener and learning. I mean, like you say, Tanya, everything, it's, it's, it's just, it's a, such good for the soul. I know it sounds easy, but it's true. It's really true. You know, people are so unhappy all, all around, you know, especially after the, this Corona year, which I think brought a lot of goodness. And a lot of, you know, people have started to look inside themselves. I thought to myself, we grew up <laughs> with, you know, 
if you have a problem, it means that you're not busy enough. My mother would always tell us, you know, go and do the plates. You know, we would play downstairs in the courtyard. There was no games on the phones. If the, there was no television, like we wouldn't really watch television. So everything was so much more, you know, raw. And you just had to work within yourself. And now it's it's different, uh, different times. It's true. It's a very good point. It's so true what you said. When we get out of ourselves and we focus on others, it's like what you said in the beginning, by sharing and talking about your challenges, it uplifts you by uplifting others. It's the same idea. When we're busy, when we're busying ourselves with helping others, we don't have time to really focus on what's lacking for us. Now, obviously it's important to feel our feelings and it's important for us to acknowledge that what we, what it's difficult, but at the same time, just a certain amount of time, like give yourself a certain amount of time and that's it. More than that, we need to expend on other people. And like what you said about Tfila and Tehillim and learning, absolutely. I don't, I wouldn't describe myself as a girl, as somebody who was interested in davening or learning, not at all. But when you go through something challenging in your life, you realize the power of having Hashem there, holding you, helping you. And it's like, you can give it to Hashem and say, I'm doing something about it. See, I'm giving it to Hashem. It's a direct line. You know, people see me, they think I'm this modern um which i am i'm not a rabbitson i'm not a teacher i don't have sadly i cannot be that but when i discover this side of me which loves so much to sit and enjoy you know instead of watching a movie i will take a sitter and i love it and there's nothing wrong and when people see me doing this like i'm in the studio in Rutsheva, and if i'm ready waiting for a guest i'll say to him and the, the editors look at me like what are you doing like what you know they think i'm all into fashion i'm from italy i'm in this i'm in that i'm a worldly woman i'm no i'm also this why not it's beautiful and it's and it's a bit you know shocking There are so many incredible takeaways from all of these conversations. For one, happiness is a choice, something that we can all tap into and decide to put the power back in our own hands. As we know, pain is universal, but suffering is optional. And the only thing we truly control is how we react to things that happen to us. And we get to choose to either be happy about something and make the best of it or not. I hope today's podcast leaves you feeling empowered and ready to tap into your own personal strength to choose happiness. Please reach out if you'd like to share any insight or wisdom that you gained from this podcast. I love to hear feedback from all of you. So you can reach me through my website, apositivecoach.com. And I'm wishing us all a very happy and beautiful day. If you would like to not miss any of the upcoming episodes, hit the subscribe button and it will let you know when new shows are released. If you could take a moment to leave a rating or a review, it would mean a lot to me and it will help others to find my podcast. Thank you so much for being here and wishing us all a wonderful, positive day.